Well, good evening, everybody. Hope y'all are ready to worship the Lord. I know I am. You know, I enjoy being here on Sundays because I don't get to come on Wednesdays anymore because of work. It's just what it is. You know, I'm I'm not happy about it, but that's just what it is. But before uh, before I had class Friday morning, and uh, I was sitting there doing a little bit of reading, and I started in Proverbs, and I, I didn't get past the first five verses, and verse five just kept on driving it home to me. You know, you know, it's amazing how you'll read something, and then you'll read it later on down the road, and it'll really pop out to you. You know, it's just, it's, it's awesome the way the Lord does that to you because he's trying to get your attention on something, you know. And so I'm going to share it with you. It's uh, Proverbs 1, verse 5. And it says, A wise man will hear and will increase in learning, and a man of understanding shall obtain wise counsel. You know, this really drove it home to me because there's times in your life where you don't need to talk to other people, but you need to talk to the Lord. He is the most, he is the best counsel you can seek in your time of need. He, he is the best counselor because he's not going to go and tell everybody else about your problems. He's not going to go and tell everybody what's going on in your life, but he will be there for you. He will be there for you. You know, in, you know, it drives it home. We shouldn't be too good to ask for him because when Jesus was walking this world, who did he go to? He went to the Father for his counseling. He went to the Father for his guidance. That is no different from us. We should go to Jesus when we have a big decision in our life. We should go to Jesus when we're sick in our bodies and we don't know which way to go. We should seek Jesus when we need to figure out which direction we need to step in next. Because this life is not our own, but it's one with Jesus. So I just that right there really just, he really drove it home to me and about decisions and things going on in my life, what, you know, in which direction I need to go because I prayed and I prayed and prayed. And he's, he's kind of, you know, told me what to do. And I'm just waiting on the time for things to start falling into place. But it's for us to seek wise counsel in our greatest time of need. So it don't matter what's going on in your life. It don't matter how big it is or how small it is. Just like that tongues and interpretation this morning. You just need that mustard seed. You need that wise counsel of Jesus Christ in your life. I just wanted to share that with you because it really hit home to me and I, I just want to share it with y'all. Always seek Him in your time of need. No matter how big, how small, how great, it don't matter. Dear Lord in heaven, I come to you in Jesus' name, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for everything you've done in my life, Lord. And Lord, I ask you to touch each and every single person here tonight, Lord. And Lord, we just need your help for our, our counsel, Lord. I ask you to heat touch and help guide our steps to where we're headed to next, Lord. Help us to guide us into other people that might need help coming to you, Lord. And Lord, I ask you to just help us choose our words so clarified that they'll understand what we're trying to say to them. Help them 
to understand about you, Lord. And we just want to thank you for everything you've done in our life and everything you're going to do. Amen.
Just like a blind man, I wandered along. Worries and fears, I claimed on my own. But then like that blind man, God gave him back his sight.
Church, I'm leaving. Church, I'm leaving. I'm going to a meeting. Going to a meeting around the throne. Well, I'm gonna shout. My troubles are over. As soon as I move to my brand new home. Well, someday soon. Someday soon. Church, I'm leaving. Church, I'm leaving. I'm going to a meeting. Anybody ready to go to your brand new home? <laughs> Anybody ready to leave this earth? Amen. And move into your eternal home. Praise the Lord. Soon, someday soon it's coming. Don't know when, we just know that it's coming. Amen. We're not told when, we're just told to be ready. Amen. To live your life every day like it could happen right now. Amen. He could come tonight. He could come in the morning, come while you're at work. While you're driving down the road, I was just thinking about the other day, other day I was doing something, and I thought, man, what would it be like to just, I'm gone out of here, and all my clothes and stuff are left here, and I'm, and it's going to happen like that, according to the Bible, all over the world, millions of born-again believers are going to leave, and then they're going to have to try to explain what's going on. They'll say they were abducted by aliens. <laughs> But the Bible tells us what's going to happen. Jesus is coming, amen, for his children. Praise the Lord. We're going to take up the offer tonight. You know, Brian, uh, you was talking about that scripture. David McCone has been having a Bible study here on Thursday nights, and that was one of the scriptures they used Thursday night. They were talking about that, explaining it, her and her mother. And by the way, uh, those of you, you younger women, ladies, if y'all want to come to Bible study on Thursday night at 7 o'clock, you're more than welcome to come. Even you young boys can come if you want to. I'm here with the baby, so... Helping out a little bit. So anybody wants to come, you're welcome to come to the Bible study they've been having. It's been a few people, but they've been, it's been doing good. They've been having a good Bible study. So you're welcome to come if you'd like to come. Invite people or tell people about it. People watching online, you're welcome to come to the church Thursday night from 7, about 7.15 to 8 o'clock and uh, be a part of it. Something Michaela felt like, you know, the Lord wanted her to do. And ever since she stepped out to do it, she's been fought. Learn a little bit of what daddy and mama's been going through all their life. <laughs> but it's been good and it's, uh, it's good for her. And it's, and you know, there's a few of them, but they're, they're talking about the things of God, discussing the Bible. Amen. And you know what? You can't get any better than that. Look, our young people today need this. The young people today need this. They need the Word of God. They need um, encouragement from other people because young people these days are going through stuff and we've said it you know they're, they're going through things that some of us we didn't go through because of the times and the seasons that we live in it wasn't evil's always been here but there's different time periods where evil is just worse and worse and we're in that time where it is worse than ever so the young people need it so if you want to come come be a part of it those of you watching through the internet come and be a part of it. And we're going to take up the offering. Thank you to everybody that's given. And pray that you have a blessed Christmas. Amen. That 
Jesus will be the center of everything and that somebody maybe in your family will get saved. Amen. Somebody come to know the Lord. Somebody might get a little mad at you or something. I don't know. But, you know, when you get talking about the Lord during, you know, these seasons, that's what it's all about. Some people don't like that, but you know what? It's still what it's all about. Amen. And we're not just trying to make people mad or offend people, but, you know, we got to let people know what this is really all about. You come to my house, you're going to know what Christmas is about. It's about Jesus Christ. Amen. And, and we've got an opportunity every year to tell people, and we can do it. You know, we don't have to wait till Christmas to do it, but it's a good time to do it. Amen. Let the light shine. Let's pray. Father, we ask you to bless the offering tonight. I ask you to touch people tonight, to move on those watching tonight, Lord, whoever they are, wherever they are. Lord, we ask you that you would move, God, that you would touch, that you would heal, that you would deliver, that you would move tonight through the message, God, that you would touch Miss Grace, that you would move through the rest of the praise and worship, God, that you would help us to open our heart up, to open our spirit up. Lord, we ask you to bless the givers tonight, meet every need that they have in Jesus' name.
As Miss Grace gets ready to come, I got a little bit of a surprise tonight. Parents, y'all want to get rid of your kids? I'm going to take them. Y'all want to send them with Pastor? No, not the baby. I can't have the baby. Unless somebody's coming with me. All the kids that want to go with me, back to the back room, go to the back room. We're going to have fun. You better run. Thank you. 
as we watch this occurrence. <laughs> All right. Is he going to give them a test? <laughs> we see. <laughs> Well, is all your hope in Jesus tonight? I hope it is. Because we are living, as we've been hearing and seeing and reading, in times which are very tough and overwhelming. So we pray tonight that as uh, we open uh, this service tonight, uh, let's pray together. Dear God, we thank you for everyone who gathered here tonight. And we ask that you surround us with your powerful love, Lord and all the changes that you help us to go through. Thank you, Lord, for loving each of us, that you direct us and take us away from the sin nature that we have, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for calling us and help us to walk with you faithfully on a daily basis. Lord, we come before you, and we need for you to guide us and lead us as we sang that song. Lord, we need your guidance as we heard this morning. We need for you to direct us. And we need, Lord, to understand that you have everything under control. So remind us tonight that you love us with an unconditional love and that you've been there for us all the time. Your promises are true and amen. You have done what you said you would do and help us to be faithful to all those things that we read about in your word. In thy blessed name we pray, amen and amen. Well, tonight's message uh, is going to be about something in the Bible that is referred to sometimes uh, as the judgment seat of Christ, the Bema, B-E-M-A, seat, or sometimes the judgment of God. But uh, tonight, we're going to just focus in on that. Now, I guess the best way to start this message would be to ask everybody to ask themselves this question. Are there two judgments in the Bible? And the answer is, yes, there are two judgments in the Bible. And the first one I want to uh, minister on tonight is what I just referred to as the Bema seat or the judgment seat, the judgment seat of Christ. And sometimes it is referred to even as the judgment seat of God. So when you see those little phrases, it's all about the same thing. And that is for believers. If you're a believer, you're going to go to the Lord before that judgment seat of Christ. And the second judgment in the Bible is called the great white throne judgment. Don't get excited. It's not very good. Okay? Let me tell you, it's not very good. It's for those who do not believe or trust in Jesus Christ. It sounds great, but it isn't. You see, that is why when pastors preach and say about things and choices that you have to make, there's really only two choices. You're either a believer or you're not. You're either saved or you're lost. That's it. Very simple. A kid can understand this. And so we have to be able to start saying, you know what, Lord, you're going to have to show us what we need to do and how we can live in this life. And you see, at both of these judgments, the believer's judgment, which is the, the judgment seat of Christ, and the great white throne judgment, which is for non-believers, everyone is going to be judged. Oh, 
everyone will be judged at both the judgments, the very core of your person, your heart will be judged. I had people used to tell me, well, you know, I'm going to tell God this, that, and that. I said, you know what you're going to tell him? Absolutely nothing. Because you're going to be flat on your face before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. As we heard this morning, there's no sun going to be needed in heaven because he's the light. Can you imagine when you try to go in through from darkness and you go into light, how you can hardly see? And that's what I believe we're going to, what's going to happen. We're going to be flat on our faces. I know I had somebody say to me, well, I think, you know, I'm going to say to God about all this cancer and stuff. I said, you're not going to be able to say one thing because he's going to show you the core of your life, what you thought, what you did, what you said, why you said it and what you did. And you know what you're going to end up doing? You're going to agree with what he's saying that you did wrong. You see, at both the judgments, we will all stand before God. We will be exposed, nothing will be hidden, and nothing can hide. And the judgment seat of Christ is different than the great white throne judgment. Uh, That will be the final judgment of the wicked, the great white throne. And I want you to know there's no exit doors in hell. There are no exit doors. There's no way to get out. There's no bypass. Because once you die, you've made your choice, that's it. You see, but, I, but the believers will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, have you ever wondered in your life as being a Christian and you've been serving the Lord, how you're going to be judged? You see, the church needs to know that we are going to be measured. And the church is not the building is not going to be judged. We, the bride of Christ, the church, the believers, so that we can now live toward eternity. And we can avoid destructive confrontation and fulfill God's plan for our lives. Now, I was trying to think of what we could title this message so that we could all understand what I'm talking about. And I think maybe uh, in our lifetime, everybody's been uh, or seen the Hall of Fame or the Academy Awards or the National Championship or the Grammy Awards, uh, the Super Bowl, the World Series, the Masters, uh, the NASCAR, all rolled into one. And what do they say? And the winner is in all of those things that you have ever seen in your life. And that is that you see that blank space? If you're a a believer, fill in your name. You will be a winner in heaven. We need this hope. We need to understand this is what we're striving for. You know, people, as we've heard over the time, people strive for money, they strive for jobs, they strive for, oh, I'm going to be a celebrity, I'm going to be a this, I'm going to be a that. This is what we're supposed to be striving for. And the winner is, I'm praying that the Lord is going to have my name there, so I will hear it very clearly. You see, it's why we do what we do. And knowing who is going to reward us is what determines our motivation and our desires should be. You know, you see, the Christians have the Bible. That's what we have. And which we should be immersing ourselves in. 
Well, why do you say that, Sister Grace? Because as we look down the corridor of time and see the prophecies in the Bible are coming true, I pray you realize that Jesus Christ had a purpose in when he told us about what was coming down the pike. You know, we sing that song, Why Should I Worry? Why Should I Fear? The very same Jesus is ever so near. What's the reason that Jesus has taken the time to let us know what is ahead? And the answer is, so we will all be prepared. Not to be a bunch of elites who think they're superior to other people or that we're perfect. Forget about it. Nobody's perfect. Nothing, no one is perfect. The only one that was perfect was Jesus. He's up in heaven. The rest of us are all down here. I think one of the reasons he let us know was that so we could endure and persevere through the suffering to the end with a bit of hope. That's what we need. Knowing that our victory is in Jesus. And let me tell you some good news. That at the end of time, Satan will no longer be around to do his dirty work. You see, the prophecies <clears throat> were written to show us how all prophecy focuses on Jesus Christ. And it focuses on what Jesus is, who the person he is, and his program for the world. You know, this is our hope. And all our hopes, as uh, uh, Michaela said tonight, in Jesus. That's that song by David Crowder. All our hope is in Jesus. Is your hope in Jesus? Or is your hope in the next thing, the next person, the next thing that you're going to do? Your hope has to be in Jesus. You see, uh, words uh, have, uh, over the years, the meanings of words change. And when you look at a dictionary, there's a, a lot of uh, definitions for the word hope. And uh, the word hope means nothing more today than, well, it's like wishful thinking. You know, well, I hope I get an A in my class. I hope uh, my uh, team wins. I hope it doesn't rain today. I hope it rains today. You see, that's how we are. We have this hope, but it's, it's wishy-washy. In all these sentences, hope is nothing more than a wish for something to happen. But let's face it, we humans need hope in order to keep us go going. And I'm telling you, now I've been in my, this work my whole life, and if you don't have hope in Jesus Christ, you're not going to be able to make that final cut in what the Lord has for us. You see, Jesus Christ is waiting for each of us. He has an end time for each of us. I don't know what it is, but our job is to occupy until he comes. And for those of us who are Christians, we are assured that when things appear to be the worst, you know that Christ is going to appear soon. Now, if we believers of Jesus Christ and uh, as our Lord and Savior, we know that there is hope ahead for us. And believers will escape the tribulation. If you're a believer, you will escape the tribulation and will be out of here at the rapture. And I know we hear, oh, there's many scoffers around, and if you read the Christian material, it can really turn you off on the things of what they're saying. In fact, uh, many of the churches today, and they listed churches and what they're saying. They're, they don't have belief in the Bible at all. There is no belief in what is uh, in, their, in the word 
there, the words of the Lord. And we hear people say, well, I hope the rapture happens before they're able to put us all in prison and kill us. Well, very people <laughs> say all kinds of different things, but you have to have your belief system firmly grounded in Jesus Christ and what he thinks of you. I think our best choice is to stop listening to what everybody else is saying, to stop reading all the garbage that is out there in the world and stick to what the Bible says is true. We are to be looking up. We should be focusing on what the Bible says about the prophecies, what the Bible talks about believers, what he talks about the church, the bride of Christ. That's what we are. That's what we need to focus on. And I'm going to suggest that nobody gets distracted because you don't want to miss the rapture. Because we can gripe and complain and we can have our eyes down here, and all of a sudden the rapture is going to happen. It's going to happen in, the, in a twinkling of an eye. You know how quick that is? That's so fast. So uh, we have to remember that we are all living on borrowed time. We are all living on borrowed time. In fact, this week, uh, Lisa had gotten notice uh, from a, uh, somebody who was a friend of hers where she worked in New Jersey, and another person that they knew had died. And uh, she said to her, oh, she said, this priest uh, gave this eulogy. Oh, Lisa said, yeah. And so she sent her part of the eulogy. In the eulogy, the priest said uh, she was a very nice lady, and she ate no sugar, and she ate a healthy diet, and she exercised. She cleaned her house with special filters. She was run over by a car in a Walmart parking lot. You see, you can do whatever you think is good. It's going to keep you going. She didn't know that that car was going to kill her that day. And you see, this is what people are looking at, the outside. And Lisa told this woman who gave her the information, she said, was she saved? Did she know Jesus? Otherwise, she's going to hell. And she didn't know the Lord. You see, when we get to heaven, you do know there are no special little boxes here and there. Oh, you're Pentecostal? You go in that box. Oh, you're Baptist? You go over that section. Oh, you're Methodist? You go over there. There's no. There is no delineation. See, up in heaven, they don't care what religion you were. They want to know. You're going to be asked, what did you think of Jesus? You heard Pastor Thomas talk about that this morning. Jesus lets us know God. And if you don't know Jesus, you really don't know God. And so this is what you're going to be asked. Who is Jesus to you? Start asking yourselves this question. Who is Jesus to me? How am I going to study and work and do the things that I have to do? I believe that some of us do not have our eyes fixed properly on the heavenly home. You know, at times I, I have asked uh, Christian people, are you looking forward to heaven and I've gotten some pretty strange responses. You see, it's easy to get distracted and to get uh, stuck in the world's ways. I've heard many Christians say they're looking forward to retirement. But very rarely have I heard people say, I'm looking forward to going home with Jesus. I remember I had heard that when I was pastoring. Oh, people were talking about retirement, retirement, retirement. Everybody was speaking of retirement. So I started doing some research in the Bible about retirement. And one Sunday I gave a message that there is no retirement in the Bible. 
And Monday morning, I received a call from one of the young ladies from the congregation. She said to me, uh, Sister Grace, she said, I was just listening to Dr. Dobson driving to work this morning, and he must have got your notes. I said, on my what? I said, she said, he, he did a whole, a whole segment on there's no retirement in the Bible. Uh-huh. And uh, I said to her, I said, now you believe what I said yesterday, but you know what that let me know? She didn't believe what I was saying on Sunday morning, but because Dr. Dobson uh, said that, she believed it. I said, you can search the Bible yourself. I said, I gave you the verses. Go through it. Ask the Lord for him to show you what needs to be done. So heaven is the most desirable place to be. It's our home. We sing those songs. It's where our Savior is. It's a place of perfection. I want to read something to you that... uh, Uh, Spurgeon wrote, he said, and he was called the Prince of Preachers, he said, heaven is a place of unspeakable glory where the elect of God live with one another in the immediate presence of God and of the Lamb. The Lamb refers to Jesus. And where they behold in all his glory, we will see him face to face. It's a place where the curse of sin and all of its effects have been removed forever from all who dwell there. They, being made joint heirs with Christ, inherit all things, live with unmixed joy in a state of perfect happiness, incapable of being described or exaggerated forever and ever. Sounds pretty good to me, doesn't it? You see, if you're not eager to go to heaven, if being with Jesus is not something you regularly think about, if you're not longing to be there, something is wrong. I know some of you are going to say, well, Sister Grace, I'm young. I I haven't uh, lived this life yet. Well, talk, think about it. Think about what, what might happen if you died tonight. What would happen if you died tomorrow? What would happen if you don't have an opportunity to do those things that you think are going to be so important? That means to me that as a believer, you do not have any confidence that heaven really exists. You see, you do not believe that we will have new and glorious bodies. You don't believe that we will see Jesus face to face. And in the end, it all boils down to our faith. I was reading about D.L. Moody, and I've mentioned him before. He was not an educated man. He was uh, a, a, a great evangelist, though. And spiritually, even though he was not educated, he shook the North American continent, and the, uh, he shook the continent of Europe. And uh, <clears throat> so for those of you who say, I don't have an education, I don't know what to do, don't say you can't do anything. Because here's a man who was uneducated, and he loved the Lord, and he, and he shook two continents up. He said in his biography that he prayed after he got saved for faith and faith and faith. He said, I prayed day and night, and he said he prayed for faith so he could understand faith, and he said, nothing happened. 
But then he said he began immersing himself in the word of God, and then he began to understand what faith is. And that is what we have to do. We have to keep our focus on Jesus and immerse ourselves in the word of God. You see, Jesus has given us just a, a, an outline of what's coming down the pike, no exact date, no exact time. But we are given just a general outline. <clears throat> and you see, first comes that rapture. The Bible teaches us that every member of the universe, of the uh, world is going to be accountable uh, to God. And in fact, in Jeremiah 17.10, I'm going to uh, read a couple uh, verses tonight. But I'm going to ask you that I'll have the verses here so after church you can pick them up. You don't have to go through the Bible right now. I don't want you to uh, take time and look around. But after church you can pick up a copy of the verses tonight because there's quite a few of them. So you can read it for yourself. You see, you can take this paper that I give you and you can play tic-tac-toe with it. Or you can make an airplane out of it. Or you can take home the verses and spend some time with you and the Lord understanding about judgment. So you don't think, well, that's her idea of judgment. No, it's from the Bible. It's what the Lord is telling us is necessary. So here in Jeremiah 17, 10, he said, I, the Lord, search the heart. Oh, it isn't somebody else searching your heart. The Lord is searching your heart. I try the reins even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. What you do is going to be counted. Only God can give us a real heart transplant. Yeah, man is trying to do this to give people new hearts. We do heart transplants. I remember uh, Ralph and I had watched on television the first uh, uh, heart transplant uh, in DeBakey uh, Institute down in Texas. And I said to Ralph at that time, I said, I wonder if that man who's getting that heart transplant has made his peace with God tonight. Because they didn't know what they were doing. They took a chance. They, they took a chance. He only lived a few days. But I prayed that he would have made his commitment to Christ. You see, only God can give us a new heart. <laughs> only God can give us a new heart. Physically, we, are, we can, you can, the doctors can give you some medicine. They can try this, that, or the other thing. But when we come to him, he gives us a new life. That's what we need. We are, we are born again and given a new nature. And you see, things that you say, I would never do for the Lord, once you get saved, your life changes. I remember a testimony I heard of a young girl. She was in her young teens. And she said that God was calling her to be a missionary to China. And she said, I did not want to be a missionary to China. So she said, I did everything I could to stonewall God wanting me to do that. She said, and by the time I was 20 years old, she said, my life was such a mess. She said that I had to give in to the Lord. And guess what? He sent her to China. And I said to her, I said, I guess God has a sense of humor. Yes, he does. She said, but I fought him for years. I didn't want to do that. But then she became a missionary to China and did the job that that Lord had asked her to do. <clears throat> God has a sense of humor. And uh, just when you don't want to do something and you know the Holy Spirit is pushing you to do something, remember Jonah. 
what he went through. You know, those things in the, in the Bible are there for an example. So get with the program. Stop saying, well, I'm never going to do that. I don't want to do that for God. I don't want to be like that. They're going to make fun of me. So what? They may be making fun of you anyway. So the thing is, let's, let's make a, a good point for the Lord. Christ Jesus is going to judge us all, believers and non-believers. In the, oh, the Bible, it says that all, A-L-L, means nobody's getting a bypass. Nobody's getting away with it. We are all going to be judged. And in uh, Jeremiah uh, 32, verse 19, it says, Great in counsel, mighty in work, for thine eyes are open upon all the ways of the sons of men, all of us to give everyone according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. What you do will be counted. And how you do it is also counted. You know, you hear Pastor Thomas say, you know, to give with a joyful heart. God will take it, <laughs> I tell my congregation, God will take it from a grouch. But that's counted against you. It's counted against you. So just give it and say, Lord, and it's not only money in things that we have to understand. You see, the Lord knows why we are doing what we're doing. Are you doing it because you feel that the Lord's going to protect you better if uh, you do this way or that way? You see, uh, this is going to take all of this, uh, this judging is going to take place after the rapture. But tonight, I want us all to have hope as Christians and believers, no matter what is going on in the world. You know, whatever is going on in the world has been going on forever. I mean, if you read history, I like to read history because you see history repeats itself, and we keep hearing the same stories. We hear about this, that, and the other thing. In fact, when you read things in the Bible, you say, well, oh, look at that. It's the same thing that they're doing today. You see... That's why we, it's, now the reason that it's referred to a Bema seat is because the New Testament was written in Greek and the Olympics were used, used to be done in Greece. And the seat where the winners would be was called the Bema seat. And it's also called a tribunal. And it's not there to say, oh, you're not going to heaven. You're not going to heaven. It's not there. If you are saved, you've asked the Lord to forgive you of your sin you can get into heaven, but there is a but there. You see, like if you decide to do certain things in your life, there will be a time when there will be a loss of rewards. I know people are going to tell me, well, you know, I'm going to talk to the Lord. I'm going to tell him why I did what I did. Well, good luck. Good luck. You can't even, you, can't, you don't even know why you did it yourself. You see, the only ones that are going to be judged in, uh, the, by the Lord are those believers first who come as believers before him. And the winner is, you want to be a winner. You see, because our actions will be judged. And the Bible says that God will reward the actions of believers And in Psalm 62, it says, Oh, Lord, you're loving, and surely you will reward each person according to what he has done. 
And in Matthew 16, Jesus says, for the son of man is going to come in his father's glory with his angels. And then he will reward each person according to what he has done. Paul wrote, knowing that whatever good we do, we're going to receive that good from the Lord, whether we are slaves or free. And we will not be judged for our sin. Why? Because we have asked the Lord to forgive us. That's why you hear Pastor Thomas say, as soon as you see and know you've done something wrong, ask the Lord to forgive you. Stop dragging it out. Stop carrying it with you. You don't need to carry it with you. Just say, Lord, forgive me. And the Bible says that he has not dealt in Psalm 103 with us according to our sins nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. That's where your sins are, east to west, in the bottom of the sea. Our sins have been removed. Do you believe it? Amen. That's right. You've got to start believing it. <clears throat> don't don't take my word for it. Say, Lord, go to the Lord and tell him, say, mm, I have my doubts. Good. Then he can, he can help you and confirm for you what needs to be done. In uh, the book of Micah, it says he's going to have compassion on us and, we, and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. That's where our sins are. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. A lot of times we bring them up, and it's good sometimes. We do need to bring them to remember where we were, where we came from. <clears throat> I remember a story of a man who was very wealthy, and uh, he, had, he had been raised in poverty. And then he became a billionaire, and he decided that he took all the furniture from that little poverty-stricken house that he lived in, and he put it in one room in his mansion. And they said to him, but why did you do that? He said, so I don't get so prideful. Because there's days, he said, when I think of who I am and how much money I have and what I've done, he said, then I go and sit in that room and remember where I came from. And sometimes we have to be reminded of where we came from. You see, uh, we are here talking about tonight rewards. That's what the Lord is going to be given. And he's going to say, and the winner is you, if you've made your commitment to Christ. Rewards at the judgment seat is not to punish believers, but rather to reward you for your faithful service to the Lord. All of us are going to give an account to what we have done after trusting Christ as our Savior. I know a lot of times people say, well, you know, I, I'm a Christian. I gave my heart to the Lord. I don't need to do anything. <clears throat> I don't need to do anything else. No, 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 no. Now, now you begin to walk with the Lord. You're hand in hand with him. And you have to go by the wayside. You have to die, as Paul said, to yourself. No longer is it what I want. It's what he wants. And there's times that we don't want to agree with him. And those are those times we commit those sins of omission. <clears throat> I don't want to do that, Lord. I don't want to go there. I don't want to say that. But the Lord says, go do it. 
because I need for you to go do it. And that's what we have to do to get ourselves out of the way. So you see, therefore, at that judgment seat, we are going to receive rewards according, as uh, it says in 1 Corinthians, to the grace of God, which was given to me as a master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. We're building a foundation. It's just like when you cook. You just don't cook a piece of meat and throw it there. You add a little bit of this, a little bit of that. You you, uh, do a little bit of herbs. You do a little bit of maybe garlic or onion and stuff. You keep adding to that, and it's what you need to do. And it's the same thing in our walk with the Lord. You just don't say, I'm not doing anything else. I got saved, and that's all I need to do. Well, that's not what you have to do. And you see, and God's going to say to us, there are times that people are going to lose. They're going to lose and suffer loss. Now, in the Bible, it talks about precious stones. It talks about wood, hay, and stubble. And you see, that's the thing. How is it going to be taken up? The Lord is going to put it through fire, what you have done. I remember specifically I had a young uh, girl whose husband was a uh, pastor. She, he had, she had come to one of our prayer meetings. And uh, she was working really hard for the Lord, doing everything that you could possibly do. And she came into the prayer meeting, and after service, I said to her, I said, do you okay? Oh, She said, I had such a terrible dream last night. She said, I asked God. She said, I've been working so hard for you, Lord. I want to see the crown that I have. And she said, and the Lord said to me, and she said, the crown was no bigger than it could fit on my pinky. She said, and then I broke down and cried. I said, I don't think you're going to ask that again. She said, nope, never again. Because you see, we think that what we're doing is a crown of glory to God. And maybe God is judging us and saying, that's not what I wanted from you. I needed this for you. See, we always have to ask the Lord, what does he want from us? So you see, we have to understand that this full reward, we are be, have to be careful not to lose rewards. And when uh, Paul talks about it as good and bad, Bad in, the, in that section of that word that he gave does not mean that it was evil, <clears throat> but it means that you're going to lose the reward, that you didn't gain anything from what you did. You see, we can uh, have a loss of reward, and you can understand that there's positions of honor that are going to be going to people that maybe you didn't even like. And uh, they will be working throughout uh, the heavens because you're not, oh, I want you to know there's no retirement in heaven too. I didn't tell you that, did I? There's no retirement in heaven. We're all going to be working. Whatever the Lord has for us, we're all going to be working and we may be seeing each other. My first pastor's wife used to say, you better get along with the people down here because you may be living with them in glory. And so she said, if you, can't, if you can't stand them here, what are you going to say up there to the Lord? I don't want to go. <clears throat> so she said, you better learn how to live with them. And that's when the Bible talks about not judging your brothers and sisters. We're very good at that, aren't we? We judge the people in the churches. We judge people in other churches. We judge people who are going through a problem. But the Lord says, you're not supposed to be judging brothers and sisters. Those who are in Christ, you're supposed to be moving along and saying, Lord, what do you need for us to do? 
And I want you all to know, I know Fox News says that they're fair and balanced, but our God is. We have a Jesus who is fair and balanced. And you see, even when you talk about the Bema seat, they had to have a judge at that Bema seat, at that uh, judgment of Christ, who who was impartial. And he was not going to play favorites. He was going to just take it at what they did. You know, in the Bible, in Luke uh, 19, and you'll, it, I'm just going to give a quick overview of it, uh, verses uh, maybe 12, uh, 13 to 27. It's about uh, the man who uh, was not loved. He was uh, turned away. And he was going to go on a trip. And he was a nobleman. And when he was going away, he gave each of his, he took ten servants, and he gave each of the servants a mina, M-I-N-A, which is a a bit of money. Now, I'm not just talking about money tonight, because money is part of our stewardship. But as we heard this morning, when Lisa gave that word, that is, it could be anything. It could be anything that's in your hand. What's in your hand? What gifts has God given to you? Are you using them for his glory? Are you using them for your own glory? What are you doing with it? So what happened in this story in Luke? The, uh, each of them had been given a minor. And when the uh, nobleman came back, he asked them to invest it. And the Lord is asking each of us to invest whatever he's given to us as Christians to be gifts. So the first man came to him and he said, well, here is this. He said, I have, he said, I have uh, gotten it. He said, and I worked hard and the first two worked hard. One got five times more, got 10. The other one got five. And then the last one came, the third man came and the nobleman said to him, what did you do with the mina that I gave you, that unit of money? Well, he said, I know, you're a hard man. So he said, I buried it, and so here it is back. Was the Lord happy with that? No, he was not happy with it. In fact, he said, take it from him, give it to the one who has the ten. He said, and then he cursed him out. He said, that, <clears throat> he said the judgment is on you, and that is what's going to happen at the great white judgment. You don't want to give in to the Lord? The Lord says, fine, that's it. But now you are going to get your reward. You know, the king will return. So we are assured how to live until then, right now. This is it. This is the only time you have, right now, whatever time is there. And what did the Lord ask us to do? We are supposed to occupy until he comes. You can say, well, I'm going to wait until, forget about it, until I do this, until I do that. We'll never do anything for the Lord if we keep pushing everything off. I'm telling you, you will never, never do anything for the Lord. Well, I'm busy now. I can't do that. I haven't got the time. I have a family. I have this. I have that. People will say that, and I've heard it over the years. But you see, we have to come to the conclusion that there's going to be a time when we have to do things now. Whatever the Lord has given you to do, whatever he's putting on your heart to do, do it now. Because we are the bride. That's what he's called. Have you ever seen a person who's getting married? They're so excited and so excited about getting married and about the life that they're going to have. I don't think the church has gotten very excited about what's coming down the pike. 
Unfortunately, we talk about apostasy and we talk about sadness. In fact, this week uh, I was reading something about uh, there's a company called uh, Pew Research and uh, they're, they're a non-denominational uh, group, but they just ask questions at the church and they ask uh, questions about how many people, as uh, you heard Thomas say, about the loss <clears throat> of people going to churches. In fact, they asked the youth a question. They asked them, who knows what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah? And they said, oh, that was a husband and wife. I said, okay, now we see where we're at. No place. They were not husband and wife. That was a destruction on that, on that area because of homosexuality. You see, that's what Sodom and Gomorrah is about. Could you answer a trivia question from the Bible? If you're reading the word of God, you should be able to have, you should be able to pass every trivia question that's there. But you see, we have become so deluded by what's going on in the world. You see, the judgment seat of Christ is a a time of examination. Oh, we're all going to be examined. We don't like that, but it's going to happen. The Lord will remember the bodies of the saints who have died during uh, the church age. They will meet the Lord, and that's what we're going to do. We're all going to meet the Lord. If we go, if he comes at the rapture and we're still around, we're going to meet him up in the air. Or maybe some of us will die before that time. I don't know. And rewards will consist of crowns given to believers based upon faithful service to Jesus Christ. You see, God doesn't ask us to be perfect He asks us to be faithful. Same thing goes in a marriage. People think that everything's going to be perfect. Wrong. The marriage will not be perfect. I used to have people, I used to say to them, forget about it. You have two different people living together and having to make decisions. But he does ask us to be faithful. So, unbelievers are going to stand before the Lord just as believers are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And in the Greek word, to judge, has a couple of different meanings. So you have to understand, in one way, judge means condemnation. Now, that's what we usually believe is what judge is. But while the other sense of the the word judge is to be giving out rewards, so you will be judged for what you're doing. In one sense, the Bible says unbelievers will be judged in the first sense, condemnation, but the believers will be judged in the other sense of rewards. You see, Paul said among uh, to the Christians uh, that we are not supposed to be, as I mentioned earlier, judging each other. I know people, people will spend their whole time judging, oh, you know what she said, you know what he said, you know what they said, you know where they went, you know, who cares? That is not your life. Before the Lord, you're going to have to answer him because I've heard it over the years. Well, you know, we talk about wheat and tares, or we talk about the goats and the sheep in the Bible. Do you know who's goat and sheep? I don't. And when we pray in the morning, we pray, Lord, you decide who is the sheep, who's the goats. You decide who's the wheat and who's the tare because we do not know people's hearts. 
And that's what we have to start doing. You know, we have to start saying, Lord, help us to be wise and to do what you've asked us to do. We have to say, I, we want to take a look at what Jesus tells us is coming down the pike, what is coming down for the future. So this Bema seat that I mentioned tonight, this uh, judgment seat of Christ is for believers only. And I want you to know that in the book of John and in the book of Revelation 3 and 4, God gives over judging to his son, Jesus Christ. Now, a little word of warning. If Jesus is going to judge us, don't you think we better get our lives together with him? We better make peace with him? I mean, if you had a boss at work and somebody said to you, you better be nice to him because he's the one who makes the decision for your bonus, for your promotion, for the times that you have to go to work. Aren't you going to worry about that one? Or are you going to say, well, I'm going to do it myself. I want to do what I want to do. Well, you can, but there's a good chance you'll lose your job. Well, what do you think is the Lord's going to say when we, we don't even acknowledge him in our lives, that we don't understand who he is because he has been given... The only one who could open up the seals, S-E-A-L-S, in the book of Revelation was Jesus. Nobody else. John was upset because there was nobody worthy to open up the seals, only Jesus. So you heard Thomas this morning say it, that Jesus is the one who leads us to God. And that's what we have to end up saying. Lord, help us to stay on this straight and narrow Now, we have to start understanding that this evaluation that we're all going to have to go through is based on what we did while we were alive. You see, once you're dead, it's all over. It's finished. And even the Bible tells us that those who will see Jesus and see him as the king of kings at the end, too late. It's too late. They can't change their minds. They've already made their commitment. Have you made your reservation? You see, once you make a reservation, that's it. It's over with. What does the Bible say about the uh, judgment seat of Christ? I hope you get this tonight, that it will be the results of losing rewards, getting rewards. There's a crown of righteousness. There's a crown of glory. And there's a crown of rejoicing. You see, that's what we have waiting for us. That is our hope, that we will seek Christ. And as we die and we take our last breath here, the Lord will accompany us into heaven and take us with him. That's what, it, that's what it's all about. You know, I know we all think we're gonna, we have something special. I don't want to go like that. I don't want to do this. Well, you make that decision up with you and the Lord. And you see, uh, I am not in charge of that. I can only tell you what the Bible says. Jesus and his church will be laid bare before him to be seated with and tested by fire. We are all going to be, all our actions, all the stuff that we've done will be tested by fire. And now we are all living in times of great fear. And have you noticed the commercials pushing for better mental health programs? We have a choice And we have to live as Christians. Are we going to live in faith? Are we going to live in fear? 
We have to make a choice. And you say, Lord, help us to live in faith because we see what's happening. There's been 1,100% increase of mental illness. And I'm saying that because the, they're telling you that this is what's happened in the world. And it's because of all this junk that they are feeding us. And we have to be able to say, Lord, keep my focus on you. He is the target. He is what we have to keep our eyes on. My Bible says that we are all going to have a personal judgment. So you see, that's why you don't worry about the one next door and the one in your house and the one down the street. You worry about you and Jesus. The Bible tells us in Romans that God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. And you find that in Romans 2.16. This is going to happen to every man, woman, and child of every nation, of every age, of every rank, and of every character. The secrets of men refers to those things that were done in secret, and nobody saw me. Nobody knew what I did. I didn't, I, so I could get away with it. And the result of this examination, some of us will find ourselves in heaven by the skin of our teeth. Woe to the Christian who's happy and satisfied with just making it to heaven by the skin of our teeth. Because, you see, then you will have lost the rewards that the Lord had planned for you. Some of us will find ourselves commended and rewarded by God. Some will reap losses. And as I mentioned this phrase, the Bema seat was taken from the Olympic winners in Greece. And it was a raised platform and an impartial judge was there. The ancient Olympic winners received no medals. Oh, today we have the gold medal, we have the bronze medal, we have the silver medal. No, no. The participants who finished in first place received a crown, and they personified the Greek concept of excellence. And you know what? There was no second place and no third place. There was only one place. The first one, the excellence. So I pray tonight that we will start examining our lives to see if what the Bible is saying, am I moving along with what the Bible is saying? Am I doing what the Lord has asked me to do? And you see, we have to understand, don't worry about your neighbors. Yeah, you take, you be nice to your neighbors. You can help them out. That's fine. Worry about your soul. Worry about you. Even those listening tonight, you have a choice. You see, remember, those who think they are in control in this world, they think they're going to create their own humanity. But you know what God says? Do you think you're going to overthrow me and my son who is going to put an end to all of this? You should read Psalm 2. Because the Lord is going to vex, will be in derision against them. He'll be laughing at them at what they're trying to do. And let me ask you, how many ways does our Lord have to tell us that even in the middle of this wicked and evil generation, are we going to backtrack or are we going to occupy until he comes? Let us get going and doing what the Lord's asked us to do. And when the world is asking you to comply and do what they want you to do, 
you don't have to comply. When we see what is happening, let us don't get over, overwhelmed and realize that God may be blessing us for our obedience. People are enough to tell them the truth. We have to start telling them the truth. And let us not go about doing things behind people's backs. If you're listening here tonight and in the sanctuary, and if you're listening on the Internet and, and live streaming, I pray that you make the decision tonight to serve Jesus Christ. It's your decision because your decision will be a consequence of where you live for eternity. He's the only way, Christ is the only way out of this mess, and tomorrow may be too late. You don't want to be left behind when the church disappears at the rapture. You think it's bad now? <laughs> you think it's, the murder is, is horrendous now? You haven't seen anything yet. When the Antichrist takes control and God's wrath begins, don't make the mistake Get saved today and give your miserable, dirty heart to the Lord. Yeah, I say that because our hearts are terrible. Jeremiah talks about it, how horrible our hearts are. So I pray tonight uh, that if anybody would like some verses after the church, you may help yourself to them. And I pray that you will ask the Lord, if you're baptized with the Holy Spirit, to grow in you, to help you to do what has to be done. We have to mature. We can't stay babies forever. You can't, it doesn't happen. If you have a child who's a baby and they don't grow, then you bring the baby to the doctor because something's wrong. But you have to say, how about me, Lord? Am I growing in the things of the Lord? Let's say a prayer. Stand, let's stand together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity that we can, we had a lot of verses tonight. And, but we pray that everyone will be able to digest it and to uh, understand it. And, Lord, that it will become an important part of our lives, that we will grow in you, Lord, that we will not just say, oh, yeah, I understand that. Yeah, I heard that one time, <clears throat> but that we will accept, Jesus, what you're doing for us and that you will help us to be the Christians that we're supposed to be and help us to stop worrying about everybody else in this world and stop making excuses <clears throat> for everybody else, Lord. Help us to say, Lord, Lord, I want my life to show Jesus Christ. And Lord, we thank you for what you're doing, how you've taken care of us, how you've been there all the time. But Lord, we need as Christians, we need our hope to be in Jesus. In thy blessed name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. It was a good message. She always has very informative information with her. She's always very knowledgeable. I mean, I'd say... After all these years, you were very knowledgeable, but not to put an age on you or anything, but she has so many years of experience, and she's been down the road, she knows, and you know, that's why, you know, it is a big thing to people say, respect your elders, you should, because especially those who have been there, they've seen, and they're just looking out for you, and they want you to know ahead of time, and there's a lot of people that get offended because they're living wrong, and they disrespect God's people, that just goes for anybody. But all our hope can be in Jesus, amen. If you have a need, you can come. If there's something you need to pray about, a family member, a lost loved one, a, anything going on, you can come. If you just want to stay in your seat and worship, that is fine too. But he wants to touch people tonight. He's moving in our midst. Just let him touch your heart, amen. Oh, and all my hope is in.
Sunday morning at 10.30. Amen. Everyone be safe. We hope you were blessed by the live service from Family Worship Center in Athens, Tennessee. Our weekly services are Sunday at 10.30 a.m., Sunday at 5.30 p.m., and Wednesday evening at 6.30 p.m. Watch us live online at www.fwc-tn.com. You can also check us out on Facebook or YouTube. Family Worship Center is located at 250 County Road 378 in Athens, Tennessee. Send all correspondence to Family Worship Center, P.O. Box 118, Athens, Tennessee 37303. For more information, you can call the church at 423-744-0774.